Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that we leave to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. The Book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Called to Perfection This promising commandment, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, written in the Gospel of Matthew and presented to us in the series of the sermons of Apostle Arkady, the works of Apostle Arkady, because this is a laborious work, the material that we are presented with, that we are given, we see this is a great labor. And every single thing that we read required time, specific energy, specific gifts, and calling that was spent by our pastor. And so we treat it with great reverence, with great respect. We know the price that was required. Matthew to receive this and our Apostle Arkady to be able to interpret it and be able to make it accessible to us. And this is the inheritance of the saints of all times and generations, and the commandment is, is addressed by Christ himself strictly to his students. Therefore, we will study the primary sign by which we need to judge that we partake in the perfection of God. And this is by our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. As it is written, Colossians 3, 14, 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also are called in one body, and be thankful. It's not possible to achieve the bond of all perfection, because the bond of all perfection, this is the bond of and harmony of all perfection that's in God. 
this is not just that I'm an expert in one area. We are not an expert in all areas. And to be able to be one, you need to be born from a holy God. And being born from a holy God, you need to clothe yourself into God's love, which uh, will be defined by how we are with one another, our relationship with one another. Otherwise, we will be far from the perfection of our Heavenly Father. According to the given place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God within our hearts is only possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and we will be clothed into the selective love of God. And unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the selective love of God differs in the fact that it contains the burning zeal of God, His omniscience and His absolute wisdom, that in no way can be used for corrupt, greedy, and egotistical goals of man. Due to this, it is specifically the power of the selective love of God that is called to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the resurrection of Christ in its place. And this is within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ in the form of our new man. A tolerant love will never be able to destroy the stronghold of death. Tolerant love that today is saturated within the Christian uh, community is to receive the information that's in the world, to adopt it within the church, within their lives. Holy love, it's not tolerant. It does not accept that information that is in this world, that information that is in the kingdom of darkness. It rejects it. It condemns it. The selective love of God can abide and demonstrate itself exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love, where we pass from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. As it is written, 1 John 3:14 through 18, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? When a person is born from God, he is offered a choice either to enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for every good work or enter the state of eternal life which he was not familiar with until this moment and become useful for every good work and a demonstrator of brotherly love therefore we need to answer four classical questions that our pastor Arkady of course responded to it explains First, by what signs do we determine the people included in the category of brothers for whom we are called to lay down our life so that we can demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? Second, what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the selective love of God in our faith in brotherly love? And fourth, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God? And we have been studying question four. We'll finish it today. 
by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God. And we had studied already some of the results, signs by which we can determine the first result in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is the ability to increase more and more in brotherly love, aspire to lead a quiet life, mind your own business and work with your own hands so that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. This is where brotherly love is shown. When we live a quiet life, we are within the boundaries of our own of our own uh, responsibilities to be within the parameters, the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord, and do our work, do the things that the Lord has called us to within the Church of God, and try not doing what God has not called us to so that we don't begin to uh, find new initiatives to achieve that are not God's and not God's goals. Which sometimes can appear better, but this better may be supported by the flesh. And so we need to be very careful. We, as Christians, we need to be careful, again, of initiatives because it could be inspired by the flesh. Second sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is our ability to hold our peace when a man devoid of wisdom will despise us, his neighbor. This is a, when you hold your peace, this is the Lord preparing our heart to be able to receive the revelations of God and this is what controls or forms a person into his image, forms his child into his image. When God uh, communicates with us, He has the right to be silent. Sometimes when the flesh is groaning or unhappy with something, the spirit can be silent in this time. Because a person is in in the state uh, of unhappiness. But a person needs to take control of his emotions, take control of his situation, and his spirit being silent is actually a good thing. Third sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is the ability to not give place to the devil. And this included a lot of different components. If you have the opportunity, you can again uh, listen to the sermon uh, that specifically identifies all the areas where we can give place to the devil. Fourth sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is our righteousness which will be examined by our ability to be delivered through knowledge from a hypocrite's mouth and here we saw the uh, seer uh, where you are supposed to save yourself or keep yourself from the hypocrite's mouth by being a seer, being able to see beforehand, a hypocrite, he will give you a compliment, he will tell you something that you want to hear. Uh, Also, he may have these qualities of a seer where 
I he knows what you might want to hear. So he first will tell you the things you want to hear, but then bring in the poison. And so it's hypo, his hypo, hypocritical nature uh, in, in this trickery and the way that they uh, will behave with you to be able to achieve what they want. And so when you hear the hypocrite, you begin to meditate about the things that you heard in the church, the word, the truth, and the hypocrite will not be able to access our heart or be able to reach our heart. And fifth sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is our righteousness, which will be examined by our attitude toward the stranger, fatherless, and widow. Deuteronomy 27:19 Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger the fatherless and widow and all the people shall say amen according to the given place we conclude that justice due the fatherless stranger and widow is a law which was ratified by Israel during a sacrifice at the top of both mountains Ebal and Gerizim we know that when they passed over the Jordan into the promised land, then the Lord immediately before giving them the promised land, He placed them uh, on these mountains and upon these the mountain Ebal, he, he formed an altar and the mountain Ebal, this is the symbol of the cross of Christ, you will proclaim all the curses. The nation of Israel will, will be ratifying with it, Amen. And Gerizim, mountain Gerizim, the blessings will be proclaimed. The six tribes that stood upon the mountain Gerizim would, when the Levites will proclaim the curses or the blessings in both mountains, the Levites would, would state them and then the nation as a whole would ratify it with the words, Amen. And so the Levites would turn to Mount Nabal and then they turned to the mountain Gerizim and the six tribes that were upon the mountain Gerizim after the Levites had uh, stated all of the blessings, they would ratify it, this law of God. And so this, this very law right here, one uh, cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say amen. We need to perceive the state of the stranger, fatherless and widow as our neighbor from whom our salvation depends. And again, so the stranger and fatherless and widow, this is our neighbor from whom our salvation depends. And let us look at who is our neighbor that our salvation depends on, who has within his heart the state of the fatherless, widow, and stranger. They are very valuable to us first. Let's look inside of ourselves. This is our soul lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and reobtained in a new form in his resurrection. And so he is the widow. And so if the spirit will not be able to obtain the soul as a widow, then it, our soul will perish. And so for the spirit, the neighbor is the soul. And for the soul, the neighbor is the spirit. And not just the spirit, but also the body of a person. Because the soul, when it was clothed into salvation, it together with the spirit is now trying to adopt the mortal body. 
This is inside of us. The soul and spirit are neighbors to one another. Second, this is a person who is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a father of God without whom we will not be able to inherit salvation. This is a person who has God's delegation and he has the state of the stranger, fatherless and widow. You can determine whether this person is God's messengers and can he pass on God's message to you by the quality he has. Third, this is the bride of the lamb in the form of the chosen by God remnant who possesses a state that is similar to us, who has the state of a stranger, fatherless and widow. Specifically, the state of a stranger, fatherless and widow identifies our righteousness as well as our neighbor who represents these three identities from whom our salvation depends. Now let's look at the specific state of each of these. The state of a stranger identifies the fact that we have died for our nation, which is precisely why we have become a stranger or a foreigner to our nation. And so Russians to Russians, Ukrainians, Ukrainians, uh, uh, Hispanics to, to whatever country you are part of, so you die for your nation so that you become a stranger to it. You need to become a foreigner, a stranger to these things. And so people have asked Pastor the question, why are you, they ask him, why are you like a magnet? Something draws me to you. You don't go on the, uh, out on the stadiums or anything like that. So for some reason, uh, and the reason is because he has the state of the stranger, the fa- fatherless and widow. This is the best form of evangelism. And it's not, I go to other people. People themselves will draw themselves, be drawn to you because of these qualities. The state of the fatherless identifies the fact that we have died for the house of our father, which is why we have become fatherless. And so our relatives may not understand this, but this is the way to save our those that are we can now be responsible for by dying for them. We need to be very careful, of course, because sometimes people begin to behave uh, badly with their relatives. And so they try to take advantage thinking that they're supposed to uh, mistreat. Uh, and this is a sin, and this is lawlessness, and this is uncleanness. If your parents are in this church and hear the word of God and there's something we don't like in them, we have no right to behave this way with them. May the Lord keep us from that. And so if they are within the service and we say negative things against them and tell them what they should or shouldn't do, you need to now come to them and repent before them. so that curses would not have any access in your life, you or your children's lives as well. May the Lord keep us from these curses. The state of the widow identifies the fact that we have died for the corrupt desires of our soul or for governing sin within our body, who in the form of the old man is our husband. Dying for him, we therefore become widows. These three states identify one sole fruit of righteousness in the form of Methuselah, 
who drives away death from within our body and who within man or within us is the promise belonging to the door of our hope. Methuselah is the promise belonging to the door of our hope. Having this promise is a guarantee that we will be raptured in the dark before the dawn of the coming of the Lord and meeting of the Lord in the air. This is because we become dead to sin and living for God. Luke 17, 33 through 37. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the one will be left. Two women will be grinding together. Two will be grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, We're Lord. So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Eagles, as the angels of the Lord, will participate and will accompany those that are being raptured to meet the Lord in the air. They will locate those that are to be raptured by their smell, coming from the deadness to, to governing sin, which for the angels will be a sweet-smelling aroma of Christ. To administer justice do the stranger, the fatherless, and widow means putting forth all effort to demonstrate virtue in your faith, which is called to show our neighbor a righteous form of justice. Luke 18, 1-8 Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was an in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Considering the fact that this is a parable, the adversary is an individual striving for or desiring the right to the inheritance which was left for the widow after the death of her husband. A symbol of the adversary of the, wind of the widow is the old man living within the body and striving for the right to the body as his own personal inheritance. To obtain your inheritance, the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ, is only possible in one way. This is by being instructed in the faith. Receive the promise consisting of the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ into your heart. And this promise is called to make itself known within our heart in the form of the fruit of righteousness in the birth of Methuselah, who drives away death. After the birth of Methuselah, we can count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent. And when the fulfillment of time comes to accomplish this promise, if the Son of God will find faith in accomplishing this promise within our heart, then within the blink of an eye, our body will be changed from the state of an earthly body into the state of a heavenly body.
and so it's necessary to bear Methuselah. Pastor tells us, when we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, proclaim the not existent as existent, then this means we have Methuselah. We need to drive away death. What does it mean to drive away death? Because you say, go away, he won't go away. Will we fight? Yes, we will fight. To the death? Yes, to the death. Because you're not leaving in any other way. If you're driving away death, then you will die, fight to the death. And so, Methuselah is not just someone waiting for something or someone. You need to drive him away. Methuselah needs to think today that he needs to drive away death. How? Count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not-existent stronghold of life in your body as existent. Methuselah already is in us before we obtain this promise at the door of our hope. We need to proclaim the faith of our heart with our mouth. The adversary is the one who doesn't want to leave. You try to move... Uh, have him leave, he doesn't want to leave, he refuses, and so we need to have the state then of a widow because her husband, the old man, dies, and so she becomes a widow. Although he dies, the law of sin still continues in the body. We become sick, we become old, but if the law of sin and death is there, the stronghold of death is there, and so this is the presence of the old man. And so you count yourself dead to sin and living to God. And so she comes to this judge and says, save me from this adversary. Save me from these desires that are against me. All of these lusts that come into my mind, save me from this. I'm a widow, a very unique uh, widow. I count that I'm dead to sin, but I count that the old man has been crucified. I count myself this way. But in my body, the law of sin and death still exists. And the Lord then comes to our defense. If it's an unrighteous judge who did not fear God or men, but even he, because of her persistence, helped her, do you not think God will do so? Those who count themselves dead to sin, living for God, who proclaim the non-existent stronghold of life in their body as existent, do you not think he will defend them and protect them from that adversary or that sin that says, I have absolute and legal access to the right to your spirit, soul, and body? And so, again, we need Methuselah to be able to start fighting to drive away this death from our body. And he needs to be doing this work today. However, to possess the legitimate right to demonstrate your faith in the virtue of justice for your neighbor, it is necessary to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. This upon practice means make with God a covenant of blood, salt, and peace within the baptisms, within the death, within the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. A very unique thought. You see how Pastor very interestingly explains this to us. Circumcision. Circumcision is not physically the removal of a foreskin. A person continues to stay alive, but continues to uh, keep within himself the deadness uh, within himself. 
present your bodies a living sacrifice for reasonable service. You need to be alive, but have these elements of dead, death in yourself. And we'll read of the circumcision that we the physical circumcision happened uh, in one place as we know the way that it was done um, but we know that we need to renew our mind and proclaim with our, our gentle mouth uh, we need to here look at and determine whether we are a widow and one of these elements is being circumcised those proclaiming the not existent as existent count yourself dead to sin living for God as it is written Deuteronomy 10 16 through 18 therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords the great God mighty and awesome who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe he administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger giving him food and clothing and so speaking of circumcision he immediately turned to talking about how you need to properly behave treat the father's widow and stranger a person who has these three qualities the food that God gives the stranger, fatherless, and widow is to be conformed to the body of Christ by partaking in communion when we eat of the body of Christ and drink of his blood. The clothing that God gives the stranger, fatherless, and widow is being clothed into the garments of righteousness. In Hebrew, when it refers to the heart, as it says, circumcise the foreskin of your heart, the heart also has a foreskin. And so it's very important that they were physically, that the difference was they were physically circumcised, but their heart was not. And so they had a hard heart, stiff necks is it what, what it referred to, the, to them as. Uh, so what they did on their physical body did not correspond to what was in their heart. And so you say, well, this person has done much good, but the heart was not circumcised. But he had physical circumcision. In Hebrew, when it refers to the heart, it is often referring to the entire person encompassing his spirit, soul, and body. Therefore, first, <clears throat> circumcision is a sign of the covenant testifying of the fact that the given person died for his nation, the house of his father, and for the desires of his soul. Second, circumcision is the seal of righteousness, which is applied to a prepared document of righteousness, <clears throat> which is made made up of two things, thinking of meditating about the things of heaven, thinking or meditating about the things of heaven and the state of our heart, abiding in the inheritance of, uh, of unearthly peace. We can examine whether the mind is thinking or meditating about the things of heaven by validating the fact that a person has died to sin and living for God. At the same time, a heart abiding in the state of the peace of God can be examined by validating that God does not account to this given person his sins, in which he was born from the sinful life of his fathers. Romans 4, 8 through 13. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not input, in, input sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? 
So does this blessedness then come upon, as he's asking the question, upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? Was righteousness accounted to him? And so when we baptize people, we baptize them, uh, those that are righteous. And it's not that you baptize so that their sins remain on the bottom of the uh, of the water. You here demonstrate the presence of righteousness in your heart. And so you then proclaim that the Lord is, that you believe that the Lord is your personal Savior. And he states that he does believe that Jesus Christ is his personal Savior. And circumcision and so righteousness was not because of, of circumcision, but before circumcision. And a circumcision is then a seal that is applied uh, based on what he already had in his heart. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised, nor while, nor while circumci- circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham, Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith and so this is a a document of righteousness that already exists it's a righteous righteousness you have and you place a seal upon that righteousness and so in a born from God spirit of man circumcision will be evident by the brokenness of our spirit we're looking at our entire essence, where circumcision is present, how, how can we find it or determine that we have it in that area. And so in our born from God spirit, uh, it will become evident that we have the circumcision by the brokenness of our spirit. In the soul of man, circumcision will be evident by the worshiping of the prince at the threshold of the house of the Lord. The prince will come to the threshold Take your uh, the offering of the prince and the priest, our spirit, will be able to bring it in to the holy place, into the holy of holies. And so you need to uh, show that you have this uh, prince. And this is not just referring to emotional things. You may hear the saying, well, this person doesn't have a prince in his head. In other words, that he's not uh, at peace with his own mind or but when we rule over our emotions, our, our feelings, it could be emotional, it could not be. This prince is, is the one that worships at the threshold, does not come in further and allows the spirit to do the remainder of the work as the one who can come into the presence of God. And so the person who loves the person that gives him the revelations of God, who passes on to them, this is a person who has this prince, one who does not consider or care what the pastor says or care for the pastor himself, does not have 
a proper prince that would be able to as the prince will always know that he can't come into the Holy of Holies he knows that this, that is the work of the Spirit and uh, allow him to do it and so this is our reverence to the Word of God this is in the soul the body of man in the body of man circumcision will be evident by his clean mouth confessing the faith of his heart this is how we can determine whether we have a circumcised heart and so it's in our spirit that is our spirit that has brokenness our soul this is the prince that can only come to the threshold and our body this is a clean mouth confessing the faith of our heart only having such circumcision abiding within the three realms of our essence will give us the ability to not pervert the justice due to the stranger the fatherless and widow Deuteronomy 24 17 through 22 you shall not pervert justice due to the stranger or the fatherless nor take a widow's garments as a pledge but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there therefore I command you to do this thing when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field you shall not go back to get it it shall be for the stranger the fatherless and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands when you will beat your olive trees you shall not go over the bo- the bows again it shall be for the stranger fatherless and widow when you gather the grapes of your vineyard you shall not glean it afterward it shall be for the stranger the fatherless and the widow and you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt therefore I command you to do this thing a very interesting place of scripture command so that we can leave the sheaves uh, when you gather don't go back and clean it again and so the widow fatherless and stranger would be able to come uh, leave uh, whatever remains of the of the olives of the grapes and so and we see these three feasts uh, in these three examples that we see the widow stranger and fatherless are people who honor God and are within the state of the three feasts the Passover the Pentecost they were able to gather the wheat this is uh, if you remember the waving of the sheaves before the Lord they were able to gather the power of the of the olive uh, the oil of the olives and then also the we're all needed to appear and so again these three examples three uh, three feasts uh, the widow fatherless and stranger who would be able to uh, partake and also the vineyard uh, where he, they will be able to gather the rest of the grapes a stranger in the given situation for us is the new person living within our body in the status of a stranger to not pervert the justice due to the stranger means not ascribe the revelations belonging to our new person to the intellectual abilities of the soul and not use them to gain materialistic treasures or valuables Galatians 5 16 17 I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish 
and so again not pervert the justice do the stranger and does not ascribe the revelations belonging to our new person to the intellectual abilities of our soul the fatherless in the given situation for us is our soul upon the condition that our soul has died in the death of the Lord Jesus for the house of its father. As it is written, then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Matthew 8, 21, 22. To not pervert the justice due to the fatherless means not ascribe the virtues of the mind, which is renewed by the spirit of our mind to the abilities that have been passed on to us by the sinful seed of our fathers. And so again, we need to die for the house of our Father, not ascribing the virtues of our mind that is renewed with the spirit of our mind to the abilities that have been passed on to us by the sinful seed of our fathers. And so there was a respected gentleman who, uh, 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 that came from the Baptist uh, uh, community and told me, well, you have a member of, the, of your church who is uh, my son and he no longer communicates with me. And I told, and, and, and I want him to, he asked me to help reconcile the two of them. And I told him, you know, uh, I told him, until you repent before him for spitting upon the place that he values and treasures and where he receives his spiritual food uh, well this until this happens he will continue in this situation with you it has to be that you will repent before your son for this kind of behavior the way that you treat uh, the place that he values most and he left And he was, he's a gentleman of age. It's hard for, uh, to, to repent, to ask for, uh, bef especially before your son, before the children. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18-21 Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that you, your faith and hope are in God. <clears throat> a widow in the given situation for us is our soul, which has died in the death of the Lord Jesus for governing sin within the body, in the form of the old man living within our body. Romans 7, 1 through 6. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he, he lives. For the woman, he gives an example, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from what 
from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who has raised, who was raised from the dead, that he would bear fruit, we would bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In the biblical times, when a person was not able to repay his debt, then either the creditor would take clothing as a pledge until the borrower was able to repay his debts, or the borrower would become a servant or slave of his creditor. However, if if a neighbor was not able to repay his debt by sunset, then you needed to return his clothing to him before the sun sets. Exodus 22, 26-27 you ever take your neighbor's garments as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that, that is his only covering. It is, it is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. The light of this example indicates our relationships within the body of Christ, where we are called to forgive one another before the sun sets, which gives God the legitimate, legitimate ability to then forgive our sins. Matthew 6, 14, 15. For if we, were give, if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And such people, as our pastor has explained, are our parents, our children, our close ones, the saints in the church, that we need to forgive before the sun sets. And so the sun is our timekeeper and our clock because there are some that go to bed and don't get up again. The second variation is that maybe rapture will happen in the nighttime. So our the sun is our our clock and so before the sun sets we need to forgive any offenses that were done against us anyone who has done anything against us we need to forgive and so if a person still keeps these offenses in his heart what do you think will happen if he happens to pass away in that night and so offenses in the heart are not something that you can go to heaven with And so I close my eyes and I say, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive this person who offended me and lead your emotions and you can then calmly go to sleep knowing that you have done the right thing. You forgive the person that may have hurt you, offended you in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the very point here is forgiveness. Forgive every holy person. Now let's continue to look at, because uh, as we've been talking about the widow, when the widow was not able to repay the debt of her deceased husband, it was forbidden to take her clothing as a pledge and make her a servant for the debts of her deceased husband. The light of this example indicates our relationship with God, where God does not account to us our sins, the guilty party of which is our old man, upon the condition that we cast off the old man with his deeds, 
by counting ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent. And so the state of a widow is the state of a person from whom you are not able to take his clothing as a, or garments as a pledge. It was typically the outer garment that was taken and we were not able or allowed by the law to do that. And so there are people who do offend us but people in the state of a widow, she can't become offended uh, in general. She shouldn't be, be getting offended at anyone. If you are not able to take her clothing, she, this person cannot uh, hoard or keep within their heart these offenses and and brew them within themselves. They need to absolutely not have that in their heart at all, a widow person, a person who is a widow, or in the former state of a widow. And so a widow, again, is someone who counts themselves dead to sin, living for God, and counts to count themselves dead to sin we need to be, again, very, again, I, I note this, we need to be very careful with offenses, uh, that we need to not have these in our heart at all. When we're talking about our church, I'm not talking about other churches, we need to be very, again, careful when it comes to uh, holding, carrying offenses within your heart, and you may ask yourself the question, have you not ever made a mistake? Have you not ever done something against another? And so again, from the position of righteousness, we need to forgive one another and let go of these things. This was a very interesting uh, and elaborate uh, fifth sign. Let's look at the sixth sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. This is our, our righteousness uh, demonstrating zeal for God, directed at protecting our neighbors from a deadly plague. How can we defend ourselves, protect ourselves, as well as our neighbors from a deadly plague by demonstrating this quality of zeal? Psalm 106, 28 through 31. They joined themselves also to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out against them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped, and that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. Psalm 106, 28 through 31. Therefore, a gap or breach for the entry of deadly plagues was Israel joining themselves to a god being worshipped by the Midianites and fornication with the daughters of Moab. The act of Phinehas, where he defended his neighbors in the form of his nation from the deadly plague, was accounted to him for righteousness by God, moving him from death to life. Numbers 25, 7 through 18. 
Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel, and those who died in the plague were twenty-four thousand. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite who was killed, who was killed with the Midianite woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's house among the Simeonites, and the son of the Midianite, the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zur. He was... He was head of the people of a father's house in Midian. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and attack them, for they harassed you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a leader of Midian, their sister who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. The event is linked to the sanctification of the nation of Israel, the initiator of which was God to cleanse his nation of their harlotry with the daughters of Moab and the idols which the Moabites worshipped which which Israel joined. First, sanctification consisted in hanging all the leaders of the people before the Lord out in the sun and all who joined Baal of Peor be killed with the sword. Second, sanctification consisted in absolute separation from the Midianites fighting them and destroying them. Sanctification that does not include absolute separation from wicked and lawless men who resist the truth and abandon their church is a parody or travesty to legitimate sanctification. In our time, worshipping Baal of Peor indicates a tolerant attitude to idol worshipping, demonstrated in passion for supernatural wonders. And so this tolerance uh, to supernatural wonders, miracles, this is the worshipping of Baal of Peor that today is just, uh, is absolutely flooding today the, the churches, practicing of spiritual gifts, uh, supernatural wonders. The, this in the Middle Ages, this wasn't happening. This in in the in the last uh, uh, couple of uh, decades has been happening. When it comes to harlotry with the daughters of Moab today, this indicates stumbling and being tossed by various winds of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of men in deceitful plotting, uh, offered by questionable ministries. Zimri, the son of Salu, was a leader of a father's house among the Simeonites, but he was not at this time in the camp, since he at this time was amongst the Midianites and was worshipping Baal of Peor. The name Zimri means my song. The name of the Midianite woman, which he brought into the camp of Israel during the time of sanctification, was Cosby, which means deceptive. Harlotry with the daughters of the Moabites is... Uh, being attracted by various winds of doctrine, Cosby, which means deceptive, attracted by various winds of doctrine. 
Numbers 25, 1 through 6. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang them. Hang the, off the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and, the, and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And so pastor says, Now consider this image. 24,000 people died from a deadly plague, and to, and to leave it, Moses hung all of the leaders of the people of the nation of the Lord before the sun, as they are the ones who convinced the people to eat what was offered to idols and worship idols of prosperity and to seek supernatural wonders. And the judges of the nation, by the command of Moses, killed with the sword in the camp of Israel all who remained after the deadly plague who had joined Baal of Peor. The entire nation, together with the Moses, stood at the entrance of the tabernacle of meeting and wept. And here, before the eyes of Moses and all the congregation, the leader of the tribe of Simeon brings a Midianite woman into the camp of Israel, brings her in to his tent, and sleeps with her. The Moabites and the Midianites are both the descendants of Lot, who came from the incest of the daughters of Lot with their father. In the given situation, the Moabites symbolize a person who is born from God, but whose soul is not refined in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The union of the born from God person with the soul, which, is, which in the cross of the Lord Jesus has not been lost in the death of Christ, in the sight of God, this is adultery. If we, being kings and priests to God, will not possess the ability to demonstrate zeal for God to protect our neighbors from the deadly plague, then the grace of God will be turned into lewdness, which is why the grace of God will not be able to rule within our, within our heart by the means of righteousness to move us from the death from the state of death to the state of life and to erect the stronghold of life within our bodies. Jude 1, 3 through 4. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Summing up the given sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, we conclude that if we are enemies with the Midianites within our body and within our churches, then this means that we have passed from the state of death into the state of life. And so again, if we are enemies with these Moabites within ourselves and within the church, and there needs to come an end to them. Seventh sign, we'll go through it and we will pray seventh sign demonstrating brotherly love in our faith are our lines that have fallen to us in pleasant places and our inheritance 
inheritance which will be good for us. Psalm 16, 5, 6. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Now let's look at a lot and also lines. A lot, the lot that is referring to here, you hold my lot. You maintain my lot. Lot is the atmosphere of brotherly love, making itself known in the portion of our wonderful and unsearchable inheritance in Christ Jesus, which is designed for us by God before the creation of the world, where we are proclaiming the holiness of God, in which He rests from all of His works. And so this is our lot. Lines, which have fallen to us in pleasant places, are the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord, separating the territory of perishable wealth, doomed to be burned by fire, from the imperishable inherited lot, in the form of our lot, containing the bond of all of the prom- precious promises of God, making us partakers of God's nature. <clears throat> and so again, lines, the word of God, the truth, that will allow us to keep the imperishable wealth <clears throat> upon the condition that the territory of the inherited lot containing the bond of all of the imperishable and precious promises of God received by us from a person clothed into the authority of a father of God will be our heart. The territory of the inherited lot is again our heart abiding within the atmosphere of brotherly love. And so this lot and these lines, boundaries of the commandments of the Lord, they need to be a inscribed upon our heart this is the territory our heart is the territory of our inherited lot how important it is to put the commandments of God into it so that we can have our inherited lot and keep it from the intrusion of the enemy Proverbs 4 20 through 27 my son give attention to my words incline your ear to my sayings Do, do not let them depart from your eyes keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Here we're seeing the Midianites, the Moabites, and uh, what way we keep our heart from all of these things that the nation of God and the and, and Moses had to uh, overcome and so we need to overcome this because we need to keep our heart with all diligence from out of it spring the issues of life we need to destroy the uh, these destructive uh, in- entities within us but away from you put away from your deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove you, remove your foot from evil. Considering the given word addressed by a father to his son, we conclude that the atmosphere of brotherly love within our heart, moving us from the state of death into the state of life, is the instruction of the father about which it says, for they are life to those who find them. 
And so again, the Word of God is life to those who find them. This is a great treasure and life for us when we properly keep them. And so let us look at how we need to receive, keep, and fulfill, establish, fulfill the Word of God. First, so so that the instruction of the Father would form the atmosphere of brotherly love in our heart, it is necessary to pay attention to the words of the Father and incline our ear to His sayings. An inclined ear to the words of the Father indicates a humble heart, prepared to fulfill the word of the Father, and it indicates the good soil of the heart, where the word of the Father becomes the faith of our heart. This is the first. My son, pay attention to the words, my words. You need to prepare your heart to receive the word. And how do you determine that my heart is prepared? When I come to the pastor and I have a question, I have the the goal of fulfilling what is said and not have some other alternative uh, intention uh, when coming and asking to be able to avoid or somehow do something different. But instead, a prepared heart is one that comes to be able to hear and do what he hears to fulfill what is said so that the uh, result would be the right one. Second, it is necessary that the instruction of the Father does not depart from our eyes because what we look at transfigures and transforms us into its image. Due to this, the words of the Father, which do not depart from the gazing of our eyes and become the image thinking of our heart, confirm the faith of our heart or make it firm. And so first, pay attention to my words, and second, may they not depart from your eyes. And so the words you put in your heart, the truth, you need to confirm it within yourself. How do you confirm it? You need to continue looking at this word and that our eyes not depart from it and would gaze on the word and not gaze upon the horror that's in the world and and the information that you may hear all around. But pay attention to the truth in your heart so that you can confirm it in yourself. And how do you confirm it? You need to see this uh, word being uh, accomplished for you. Third, it is necessary to keep the instruction of the Father in the midst of your heart, which forms the atmosphere of brotherly love. Keeping the words of your Father within your heart, we in this way give God the legitimate ability to accomplish them within the established by Him time. Accomplishing these three conditions is only possible upon one condition, and that is if we have left spiritual infancy, which itself does not have a spiritual father, nor acknowledges a spiritual father, because it is attracted by various winds of doctrine, being supported by deceivers, possessing the ability to lie to their uncircumcised ear. Of course, this is a negative form of infancy. There are positive forms, this is a negative. Because you are born into the family of God and you become immediately fatherless. And so when person again repents, uh, receives Jesus Christ, and so it's not as they just come repent and then they leave and they don't know where to go from there. 
there is an infancy where that does not have a father and then there is an infancy that does have a father that does that does uh, hear the voice of his mother who is comforted at the breast of his mother who receives the word of God there are positive sides there are negative sides uh, to this uh, example a circumcised ear is a seal of righteousness And so again, accomplishing these three conditions is only possible upon one condition, and that if if that is if we have left spiritual infancy, which itself does not have a spiritual father, nor acknowledges a spiritual father, because it is it, it is attracted by various winds of doctrine, being supported by deceivers possessing the ability to lie to their uncircumcised ear. A circumcised ear is a seal of righteousness. <clears throat> demonstrated in a humble heart identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love according to the given proverb to leave spiritual infancy so that you can accomplish the three conditions called to create an atmosphere of brotherly love in your in your heart is cleansing your conscience from dead works which is well presented in the following words put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn uh, to the right or to the left. Summing up the seventh component of the atmosphere of brotherly love in your heart, we conclude that if our relationship with one another flows within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord, making themselves known in the inheritance which brings us pleasantness, then this means that we ha- we possess the atmosphere of brotherly love within our heart and have already passed from death to life. And so right now we are going to pray and every holy person that wants to demonstrate zeal before God who wants to put an end to worshipping Baal of Peor and destroy this harlots uh, that uh, distract us and don't allow us to pay attention to uh, the word of God, the truth, to die for our own personal feelings, opinions, things that uh, distract us. And all those who also may want to be delivered from any form of sin uh, or confirm the truth that they've heard in their heart, uh, may the Lord bless you. We wait for you here at the altar.
I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He is not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given you the work of His redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to be able to defend us, to lift us up to His level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, I open up my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by sin and passion, which I hate, that I reject. I come to you with my illnesses, with my fear, with a pampered dignity, with dishonor in my life. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, and protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May they be upon you. May the stronghold of death be thrusted out from within your body, and may the stronghold of life be erected within your body. May this be upon you and your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. And so this was a very compacted uh, sermon that our Pastor Arkady presented to us. We kind of went through it quickly and asked forgiveness that I may have been uh, uh, a little bit quick on it, but we have the opportunity to review them again and again and uh, also work through them in our cell groups and to touch upon the things that uh, may have affected our heart. The saints always ask, what did you remember from the sermon that was special for you? And when I close the, the Bible, I then think about what were the things that I most remembered, that things that maybe very, very are, are strongly uh, impacted your heart, impacted you, that affected you greatly. And so we need to remember that the the cell group uh, leaders of the cell groups also need to remember that they are not looking for favors from others, but are to serve within cell groups. And the members also need to respect their leaders. And if there's something you want to say, you need to uh, uh, not interrupt or push or try to get in the way of others when they're trying to speak and things like that because there's a specific order that needs to remain and 
our uh, respect toward one another uh, needs to be within that order as well. And so we have one more announcement, and we will then have our manifestation. And so the children's choir will begin. On the 27th, we ask children and parents to uh, come together so that they will understand what's going to happen, all the uh, what will be required. This will be on the 27th of October, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, there will be a meeting together about this. We also uh, calling out, uh, would like to call out Gogi and his wife. Uh, they're not leaving our church, they're just moving to a different state to be with their children, uh, close with their children. If you can please come out here. They're very grateful that they are an organic member of this body, that they acknowledge the status of our pastor. They, the fact that they're moving to live to another state to be with their children, they're still going to continue abiding, continuing in this church, and continue to be a light and a salt uh, wherever they will be. And the pastor said to bless them on their journey and their move and that there not be any kind of thing, anything else in your heart except uh, the understanding of what's actually happening. And a young person uh, had come up to me and said, well, I would never do this. Well, I told them, when you're of age, you might think, uh, think differently because when you're in more dependent, uh, you may need uh, a little bit more help. Uh, things change. And so... And so they will. We will bless them in their, uh, in their on their way and their passage there, and we will support them as necessary. Let us stretch out our hand, and we will bless them, in the name of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for these saints that stand before you, before your holy face. We pray, Lord, that you bless them, and make their way, their passage to their family, to their children, uh, a blessed one, a good one, in the name of Jesus Christ. Allow them to be a light and salt of the covenant of, and be a fragrance of Christ. A, for one, a fragrance, uh, fragrance, and for another, a foul odor. Uh, I pray that the word that they receive, they keep, that they continue to confirm it, that they continue to fulfill your word within their heart and within their bodies. We bless them from your holy place, and we may the Lord bless you. May he look his, turn his face toward you. May thousands and ten thousands attend to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be upon you, and may the word that you have be within you, may be established within you. May this all be fulfilled upon you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, and so allow me just to give you a hug. May the Lord bless you as well, and may He and God thanks to all all the members of the church. 
Your love and mercy toward us has been great, and we thank you very much personally. I, I'm very grateful for our pastor. I'm great, grateful for his family, uh, and we will continue to also remain in the in the in the word. We thank you, and we receive your your good words. And let us now finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.